For Thursday, the 26th of January, I'm Randy Kure. You are listening to What's Up the Sports podcast live via Twitter spaces or perhaps catching this episode via your favorite podcatcher or maybe even watching on YouTube. Whatever the case is, thank you so much for tuning in. On today's episode, we'll take a look back on what took place so far in the NFL playoffs, uh, what may take place with the Toronto Raptors. The trade deadline is less than two weeks away. Does social issues have a place in sports? Defenseman Ivan Provorov refused to take part in Pride Night ceremonies hosted by his Philadelphia Flyers. In rapid fire, we'll try and dissect uh, what happened with the Vancouver Canucks and Bruce Boudreaux and video tributes in sports. Is it necessary when a former player returns to their former team? That and, of course, so much more. The roundtable has assembled and uh, joining me today, I'm always grateful when uh, my two former classmates from all those years ago uh, get, are able to... Uh, spend a little bit of time. Tony Antonio and Dan Legieri are back once again. Boys, what's going on? Uh, can't hear you guys. Uh, Dano, are you on mute, Tony? Hello, hello Randy. <laughs> okay, great. There's one. Tony? I'm good, Randy. All right, all right. All right. I, I was hoping that I didn't throw you guys off because uh, I usually s introduce you separately. So uh, my bad. Maybe we'll go back to the old... Uh, old format there so uh but uh also joining us once again uh on what's up the sports podcast he is the host of the red patch boys podcast the podcast of toronto fc's uh supporters group he is ben mcclellan and is back once again ben thank you so much how's it going hey, i'm doing well appreciate you having me again randy no no pleasure is mine pleasure is mine so guys uh just before we logged on i had made mention that uh i am Hoping to start each show with, uh, shall we say, an icebreaker, if you will, rather than going into the nitty gritty of uh, the the topics at hand. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys uh, are fans of TSN's Overdrive. They have this really great format, and I thought I'd uh, try something a little different. And, uh, you know, as uh, somebody who is in my uh, mid-40s now, I guess you could say, uh, I'm just noticing that sitcoms and TV shows are coming back. They're doing a reboot. And, I mean, we've seen it with shows like Will and & Grace and Murphy Brown, uh, CSI. I mean, they had different iterations, but uh, CSI Vegas came back. So it was a little surprising to me that uh, one show that is coming back is the 80s sitcom night court now uh we did confirm uh that uh tony and uh, dan uh well at least tony has uh, heard the show night court before i was a fan of it but uh it of course 
uh, starred Harry Anderson as uh, the judge. And uh, who can forget uh, Bull, that big tall bailiff with along with Roz and uh, Christine Sullivan, who was one of my first crushes uh, growing up. <laughs> yeah, Tony's uh, Tony's agreeing with me here oh, now, Ben. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Ben, uh, now uh, we have converted that you have not heard of Night Court before. Ben, you, you are a few years younger than us, but uh, you are. Yeah, uh, that is correct. As soon as I saw that in the lineup, I'm like, oh, I hope they're not expecting to get too much out of me here. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you do a Google search on what exactly Night Court was? I did uh, just do a brief one, and I also asked my dad because he's he's more into that, more in tune with that type of stuff than I am, and he 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 said he was a fan. He was a fan of uh, yes. Night Court. Yes, okay, okay. So, uh, so uh, Dan Fielding is back john larroquette is back as uh the i guess he would be the defense attorney and uh the judge is bernadette from big bang theory melissa rouch is uh playing the daughter of harry stone uh dan tony i guess uh, you guys are uh, better to uh, answer this question uh than someone like ben but uh where does night court rank in uh 80s sitcom folklore is it uh is it high on your uh on your list okay. oh yeah like i was saying when we were talking about it just before we came on I mean, it was like it wasn't necessarily in my top three but man was it a funny show it was good and just like a lot of the other older shows growing up uh, you know, subjects, there weren't subjects that were untouchable, which is different uh, from today's sitcoms, which I think why they're so special and why they're still nostalgic and why I enjoy them. So, you know, anybody could put it in their top five and I would understand because it, it was just excellent writing. All the characters were great. It was just super funny, like just hilarious. And John Larroquette was was one of the catalysts on that show for sure. Hmm. Dano, how about you? Uh, did you watch uh, Night Court as a younger guy growing up? Uh, no, I, I think I think I'm somewhere in the middle of Tony and Ben, where uh, Tony's a little bit older, Ben's much yes. younger. So I remember Night Court, but I don't remember watching it. Um, and as I don't know, as far as even top 10 80s sitcom, I'm not sure. Uh, you got some uh, some classics. You got Growing Pains, Family Ties, Cheers, uh, Golden Girls. These are all. Uh, they're all classic sitcoms. Right? I don't know if Night Court cracks that top five necessarily, but I trust Ben's uh, dad and Tony's opinion that uh, <laughs> it's a well-written and well-produced show. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was pretty high up there. Like I, I haven't really seen it in syndication in in years, and Not I mean, yeah, and I mean these days, I mean Dan Fielding, I mean he would have been like those. Like he, I mean, he would have been like a dirty old man, like a if going on today's standard. Like, I mean, he was just like a big time oh, curvo. He would have been me too. He would have been canceled. He would have been <laughs> up. He would have been. Oh yeah, he would have but, had his Twitter account suspended. Uh, oh, all kinds. Yeah. Well, that, maybe that might. Be. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. No, that's why. That's why those shows back then was such a cool time. Like because you know it was. It was open. It was comedy. It was, you know, there was no holds barred, right? That's that's what comedy is supposed to be. I yeah. guess I'll, I think I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of remakes, uh, but I'll give it a shot. I, you, you're you're selling me on it, Randy. 
I, I, well, I haven't seen an episode. Like I saw like a one minute clip and I don't know, like remakes. I don't know of a single remake that has even come close to that, uh, the, 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 the original, right? Like, I mean, like I, I mentioned a couple of shows off the top, they have all sucked. I mean, uh, Ben, like, have you, uh, is there like a, uh, a show that maybe your parents saw back in the day and they were excited or like uh this where does a remake stand for uh for a young guy like yourself yeah so recently me and my girlfriend finished watching all of how i met your mother which i mean not 80s you know i guess mid 2000s into the 2010s fantastic um i haven't heard any good things about the new one how i met your father i believe it is I haven't heard too many great things. I haven't personally watched it yet. Um, and then I'm not sure if it really counts as a remake, but then the only kind of, I guess, spinoff or, or, you know, based on the same story that I could think of, don't know if it counts, the original Friday Night Lights movie and then the Friday Night Lights TV show that mm. came later. That would be my, like, kind of best one. I personally thought Friday Night Lights, the TV show, was was great i remember watching every friday when i was in elementary me and my dad uh would watch that on friday nights on nbc so <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah i thought the tv show was pretty good and i mean in comparison to the movie you know obviously more you fit more into a full tv series than you do a movie but yeah that'd be these tv shows tend to fall apart if you try to replicate the same it's, it is true for sure. like you take a, a remake like bel-air which took a subject matter um but made it a different story, made it darker. Carlton was a piece of shit instead of, you know, he wasn't a piece <laughs> of shit original, but he was a different kind of piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was, just, it, was, it was a retelling of these characters in a certain setting, but it wasn't the same formula. Like, uh, like that 90 show is just, you know, you know it's going to be awful because, you know, it's, um, you know, because you know, you're just trying to do the same thing. You know, you always have that one character that comes in and is now the dad or is now the actor is now the elder statesman in the cast and just you know it appeals to, to a certain demographic maybe tugs on a few heartstrings but in the end it's not a you can't really sustain that sort of or you can't recapture that kind of magic anyway yeah well it's funny you mentioned bel-air uh dano because that that was exactly the example that i was going to bring up of a remake that i've actually enjoyed i think it's the one remake that i thought is really really good like you said it was it's darker uh carlton apologies if i'm spoiling uh, uh the first season but uh carlton is uh you know mixed up with drugs and ashley is uh uh like uh she's gay hillary's uh like actually a successful entrepreneur but she's a social media wrapped up uh, so social media influencer who's wrapped up in uh a bunch of uh, sticky situations there, and uh, no, I thought took speed. He was on drugs in the original too. Yeah, that that's right. locking couldn't stop dancing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. That was a that was a pretty uh, that was a pretty uh, gripping episode. But uh, yeah, no, I mean uh, that was the only uh, that's the only remake I think I've uh, enjoyed. I, I mean, I don't know if you want to call American Pie two a remake, but. I mean, it's a sequel, and like, I mean, movie sequels even suck for the most part. But yeah, well, I think there have been great ones. No, I mean, I've I was 
I love the Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Two, three was garbage. Yeah. Uh, two is really good. Um, yeah, like Rocky Two wasn't as good as one. Four was probably better than two and three, but yeah, for yeah, the most four. part, you're, you know, these things get made, I think, because there's lack of creativity for one thing. And they just, they're just finding a way to capture an audience and they're kind of bringing back old names, but uh, they, they, they probably end up making it a little too woke. And, and there's a reason why they don't, they don't succeed. That's why a lot of these shows aren't succeeding. I mean, the Connors was going well until, uh, Rosie was kicked off the show for uh, liking Donald Trump, right? And the show wasn't the same after that. So, I don't know. I will give this one a shot, like I said, but overall, I'm not a fan of remakes at all. Yeah. Like when we, they, need more, they uh, we need more Milk Manor. That's what we need. They, yeah. <laughs> I that, actually. I've heard about that. How is that? It's gross. It's, uh, it's, it's so weird and gross. <laughs> Ben, right. any uh, any thoughts on Milf Manor? Is that on uh, your PBR there? <laughs> we watched the first episode. Uh, no, my wife and I. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, oh, so okay. So, Dano, you're you're into Milf Manor. Sorry, when you said that, when you said Ben, I thought you said Ben. No, we're not <laughs> into. We had to check it out. My wife is a uh, is a reality TV uh, junkie, and uh, so we had to check it out. And it was everything you'd expect it to be. <laughs> gotcha. In the and worst I way. Yeah, I yeah, I bet. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to check it out too. But uh, guys, why don't we get into uh, uh, the topics at hand? And uh, hey, has it been five weeks already since uh, Lionel Messi and Argentina lifted the World Cup? Uh, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, a World Cup to remember uh, for some uh, negative reasons and some uh, certainly incredible reasons. Uh, of course, uh, Argentina won the uh, World Cup for the first time since 1986, and Canada participated in the World Cup for the first time since 1986, and really the whole country was captivated uh, with the men's national team and uh, the three matches they played, of course, against Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. Ben, uh, love to start with yourself, uh, somebody who is heavily invested in uh, Toronto FC as a fan, as a podcaster, you're also a Forge FC fan and uh, season seat holder. Yes, a uh, former, not anymore. Not anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. A couple financial changes that kind of had to cut it. Cut a couple. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. But uh, first four years there, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, uh, the Maple Leaf made it uh, to the grandest tournament of them all. What were your? Uh, what's your summer summary of what took place? Yeah, I mean it was it was very cool, and it was watching that first match was was pretty surreal, you know, seeing them on those 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 FIFA graphics and score bugs you get so used to seeing every tournament and and actually seeing our guys' names on there and seeing that Canada badge on those broadcasts was pretty crazy, uh, especially this would, you know, first time they're in a World Cup since I've been alive, so like, obviously very cool. Um, you know the the performance. I don't know if I guess I guess if I had to give it out of a ten, I'd I'd probably say maybe a five or a six. Personally, um, I didn't love. Just overall, I felt like TSN was kind of just talking about our team as you know, almost being there as as some type of favor or or you know, we had some wish granted true or something, you know. 
just the way they they made it as if we were we we're just happy to be there and it didn't really matter what happened and it's like i mean we've got talent we can we can you know surprise teams we see the guys play in europe you know we saw managers of belgium talking about how you know can't sleep on us when we go in against them and uh yeah, I think we were heavily running on adrenaline that first match against Belgium, and then after that, it all kind of fell apart personally. Well, I mean, uh, it's funny uh, you mentioned about uh, Canada's performance, what I'd rate it out of 10. I mean, I didn't really think about uh, what number I would give, but uh, maybe they did have a bad half against Croatia, and uh, they were kind of flat uh, in the beginning against Morocco, but uh, Belgium... Uh, did uh, was number two in the world and they hung tight mm. uh, for uh, for the most part there and uh, you know uh, obviously it's such a such a new uh, territory and it's a uh, for the most part a, a younger uh, a younger squad uh, but uh, you know uh, Tony uh, obviously uh, us as armchair quarterbacks could uh, easily uh, criticize or praise maybe John Herdman as a manager of uh, of the squad and uh there may be some uh some tactics that uh was up for question uh allowing the team allowing the team quote unquote as i use air quotes uh uh allowing alfonso davies to take the penalty against belgium uh you know you think about how long uh, atiba hutchinson played against uh against croatia uh getting subbed off and of course the comments that he made uh after the Belgium match where he said that he had to F Croatia. I mean, personally, I didn't think that was a big deal, but uh, it got a lot of attention uh, in Croatia. Uh, how would you uh, rate Herdman as a manager, Tony? Uh, and I think he's an excellent manager. I think he's an incredible motivator. I think what he did for the Canadian squad to get them to the World Cup was was nothing short of spectacular given that the goal was to be ready for 26, not 22. However, however, there is, there is room for criticism on how he managed the club during the world cup. Uh, they played a fantastic game one against Belgium. And I think they faded and I think he stuck with Atiba too long. I wasn't a fan on how much I wasn't a fan of um, Davies positioning on the field. He just, he, he was more like an attacking midfielder than he was what his normal uh, role should be. And I don't know if Stefan Estacchio's injury played a factor into that. I don't think he was 100%. That probably hurt the team a bit. Uh, but I wasn't in that camp prior to the World Cup thinking that they can, uh, you know, where they finished in this World Cup is not surprising. me. I, I expected a goal. I would have liked the point, but given who are their, they were playing and I, you know, I, I had the, uh, had the, the ability to watch Morocco a couple of times during qualifying on YouTube as they were showing the African qualifiers. And I knew that team was going to be a tough out as, as you know, a lot of African teams are. But, and, uh, but, you know, uh, to, to, to toot your horn there, uh, Tony, I mean, you were saying how uh, from the very beginning, uh, how uh, wary you were of African nations and uh, how strong they could be. And uh, Morocco, and, as well as Croatia, uh, I mean, they met in the uh, in the uh, semis there. Yeah, so two, uh, third place two, match. Te two teams from the group got to the final four. 
Uh, Croatia showed you how if you don't have a strong midfield, you're dead. And they're not a great offensive juggernaut by any stretch. And you saw what they did to Canada, scored four on them. Um, that's, that's hard to do. That's hard to give up four goals to Croatia. That's not their bread and butter. But their midfield was just so straight. It was men versus boys. Um, and I don't know if that was Herdman's fault. It just it is what it is. You're, you're facing a world-class team. Um, you know, I'm not sure what's happening post here, post-World Cup. There's been some rumblings that he might not be the coach in 26. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I, has anybody heard anything since the World Cup of what's going on with Canada? I know, I know USA soccer has been a disaster since the <laughs> But uh, have you heard anything, Ben? I, there was some rumblings. So before World Cup, there was, I mean, there was rumors that there are championship clubs interested in him. I recall seeing like a Watford or a Wigan, something like that. It all kind of went away as the World Cup approached. And then you saw a lot of the people that really didn't follow Canada soccer until the World Cup came saying, oh, this is embarrassing. He should be gone. He should be gone. No, like it, if, if he's not here for 2026, it's because he took a more lucrative job offer, not because yeah. he was let go by Canada soccer. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think yeah. He des- I think Sorry, he deserves a job too. I, this is not a fire John Herdman type of situation. Absolutely not. No, not a, no, not one it, bit. Not one and bit. You know, players need to be better too. I think they, they don't have enough depth on the back line. You saw that hurt them. A Oof. couple of goals were, you know, the long balls killed them. Uh, Miller and, and Vittoria and I don't I don't yeah. imagine either of them will be the starting center backs in 26 especially Vittoria seeing that he's 46 um, <laughs> but uh, yeah there's and there are players out there that they're about to unearth and we haven't seen them yet and they'll yeah. come into the picture I think John Herdman's the right guy to lead it he just has to be I guess less loyal you know and and truly yeah. give guys opportunities to earn their spot. Yeah, I, I agree. I felt the whole tournament, it was really our vet guys that we were going to rely on heavily were the ones that let us down. It yeah. was the Atiba Hutchinson's. It was the, uh, the Torias. It was the Boreons that really, really hurt us. Yeah. Boreon, don't get, Boreon made some what looked like spectacular saves, but some of the ones he allowed, you know, you kind of roll your eyes a little bit. Vittoria looked, you know, looked like he was playing a different game back there at his age and speed compared to what we were playing against. And then, I mean, I don't, I really don't want to rag on Atiba Hutchison for what he's done for Canada soccer, but that game against Croatia was an absolute disaster. Yeah. You saw it. A different sport. I was but, stunned. Came out in the second half. I was stunned. Yeah. But, you, you yeah, know, you have to. You have to think uh, that, you know, when you mentioned about the loyalty factor and I mean, who, which coach doesn't really uh, fall victim to that uh, in the sense of uh, obviously Canada had such a great run in terms of the World Cup qualifiers and then, uh, you know, uh, t- uh, players like Atiba Hutchison just gives their heart and soul to uh, to the national team. And, uh, you know, instead of being subbed off in the 70, whatever it was, minute. Uh, maybe he could have uh, got, gotten subbed off at the half against Croatia. I'm completely with you there. Man, wouldn't it have been incredible if he actually did knock that header in uh, against Morocco? Yeah. I mean, just a couple of inches. But, uh, you know, you know uh, Ben, when you said a five or six, I mean, this is a team uh, that was in uh, essentially the group of death. 
and yeah. uh, they they uh, they were close against Morocco. Uh, they had a solid half an hour against uh, Croatia and like uh, Belgium, say whatever you want. Yeah, so it, it's really based off the fact that it's kind of how we progressed based off that match against Belgium. You know, many could argue that we probably should have won that match against Belgium. We had the pen, we had the chances, you know, we dominated most of the possession. Um, it's just the fact that we went, I know we got our goal, quick start against Croatia, but then after that, we got the absolute brakes blown off of us. Like, it wasn't close after that goal. It was done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the Morocco game, I mean, you could say it was close, but it was an own goal. And, I mean, we had our chances in the last 15 minutes when desperation's on in that. But, you know, it was more so the progression from going from Belgium playing the second-ranked team in the world. And, I mean, let's remember, too, I mean, Belgium, second-ranked team in the world, didn't even make it out of the group. And I think they're kind of, you know, you saw De Bruyne saying that he didn't think they stood a chance after they played Canada. You know, it, it was disappointing because did I, I think they had a chance of getting out of the group. Yes. Um, was I was I banking on them and saying, you know, make it out of the group or bust? No. But it was, you know, kind of just what the, the form that we had from qualifiers carrying over, uh, playing some really good teams in the likes of Mexico and the U.S. in qualifiers, and then even playing really well against Japan in a, in a friendly leading up to it. It was it was, you know, a point is was kind of what I was at least expecting. Um, and yeah, it was it, the four ones really not good. And it was it kind of all just fell downhill after we didn't get any type of result against Belgium. I think after that Belgium game, we all were really uh, we were like, "Holy shit!" Every, everybody <laughs> thought we were literally going to go yeah. and follow like, Herdman. Shit, and there's something and, here, you know, and then they, to Croatia. <laughs> and then you start like that against Croatia, and then they just the bottom fell out in a hurry. Yeah. And, yeah. You could chalk that up to playing teams like Croatia. It's a different animal, right? It's a different story. And on top of that, some of the goals that we were conceding to, just not what you get from the World Cup. No. That first goal we conceded against Morocco. That's something I see in my Sunday league. Right? <laughs> like, it's... And then just getting absolutely blown past in, you know, from the 20th minute on against Croatia, really. You know, it looked like a bunch of little kids running past their grandpa in the backyard with Hutchinson out there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I do have to say uh, that uh, when Alfonso Davies scored that goal, I was ready to uh, stamp my ticket to the round of 16. I'm not going to lie. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I oh, mean, uh, Dano, you know, Dano, I'd love to get uh, your thoughts on this. You know, I'm uh, very enamored, obviously, with uh, how passionate a soccer fan you are uh, with uh, Serie A and, of course, the national team. Uh, you know, uh, now that uh, the World Cup has come and gone, uh, like how uh, how enamored were you with it? And uh, were you watching the uh, Croatia match? And what did that, uh, if so, what did that Davies goal uh, feel for you? It was, um, to Ben's point, the, when they had that overhead shot that they did uh, at the start of every game and the kids unfurl those flags, at either side of the pitch, they would to see the can the Canadian flag in that position, that situation was just. It felt like you were watching uh, FIFA, 
you know, you're, you're watching a video game that you probably mm-hmm. played on, on beginner and took Canada to like the world cup final. It, it was, it was so surreal. And, 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 and to just to quickly echo what, what the group has been saying that first game, whether or not we were as good as uh, we think, or Belgium was as bad as they were, or maybe a combination of both or to, to the point of just running on pure general. It was, it was a magical game, even though we lost one, nothing. Um, and then to see that goal go in in the first five minutes of the, uh, the game against Croatia, it was uh, it was it was it was elating. It was it was it was uh, it put you in the clouds. You know, you you started you started to get uh, it was like being a Leaf fan. You know, come uh, come early spring, you thought you thought this is it. This is the year. I do it this year. Um, and I and I kind of went into the tournament thinking that too. If you if you recall our, our pre-tournament podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was putting some pretty lofty expectations on this team where I was out saying that, you know, um, you know, to, to Ben's point, you know, we have stars on the international stage in their own right in their groups uh, in, in leagues across the world. So there's no reason to believe that this team should have been steamrolled as bad as they were in the second half of that tournament. Um, but to Tony's point where, you know, I, I, I didn't say anything for the personal law because the group was making such, such good points where you get Croatia's um, just longevity of playing together and experience and, and Morocco's uh, development over years and years and years, right? Like they didn't come out of nowhere to finish uh, where they did. You know, th- this is, this has been a program that's been putting, um, you know, making baby steps towards the to where they are now. And, and, and it's showing. Um, so yeah, you know, our, our our lack of experience on the international stage as a group really showed. Um, you know, our, our our holes were exposed pretty quickly. Um, you know, our, our needs and our, and our positioning that are that, that's lacking is is, is obvious to everybody now. Um, but we were missing a few key, key pieces, to, you know, through injury or just unavailability. Um, so I think that they'll put in a good showing in twenty six. You know, they'll be on home soil. Um, they'll have uh, this back-to-back under their belts again experience uh, whether or not it was it was um, you know it didn't end in a in anything that anybody outside of Canada might remember or talk about um, but it was valuable to us and to go against some really really great teams in our first World Cup in, in 36 years is um, it's awesome so it, it left a really good taste in my mouth after the tournament uh, the tournament as a whole was just remarkable. It, uh, it it really put a love of soccer in my seven-year-old's heart. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he loves Messi, but um, mm. we'll have to we'll have to expose <laughs> him to Italian national soccer at some point. Um, but it was a great tournament with lots of memorable moments, lots of great games, uh, lots of drama. You know, the, the, the final was was one for the books, but that wasn't even probably. Uh, you know, but there was other games like that. You know, Argentina's match against the Netherlands. You know, when when the same thing happened to them, they blew a two nothing lead and they scored that crazy penalty or free kick within the last. Uh, I think it was within the eleventh minute of extra time. Um, so you know, I, I look back on it favorably. Some friends were in Qatar, uh, so they uh, sent back first hand experience, which is uh, was a ton of fun to see. Rick Campanelli was there, you know, broadcasting on behalf of Canada. Um, so it was uh, it, it kind of had that twenty ten uh, Olympic vibe. Even though it was an international tournament uh, on the other side of the planet, um, but it's it's great. It's great for uh, Canadiana. It's great for Canada soccer, uh, and it sets a really good foundation for the twenty twenty six tournament. So you're you're you had friends in Qatar, and uh, 
so what's the entertainment scene like there like uh are there nightclubs with no booze like uh did, no. did your friends actually go out at all it's a it's a it's a weird thing i had one friend who's there for the year teaching english now and he went nice. just because he can get uh somewhere to stay for the world cup essentially so he's going to stay for the year and then other friends went to go stay at his dorm and they said that they wouldn't go back if it wasn't uh, if there wasn't a tournament happening there so as far as nightlife as far as um just sheer things to do you know it, it wasn't a great uh, vacation from that standpoint but uh, they came back with nothing but um you know really great things to say about the canadians that did show up you know the twenty five thousand strong um the vibe it that many you know, i think they said yeah around there so you can uh, feel you know near canada center with the there canadians was, that there was a friend of mine i went to school with uh he went down uh nothing but pictures 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 every day but there's a there was a canada house set up at one of the hotels there and that yeah. looked like everybody was having a time it looked like quite a party there was drinking going on there okay. but the thing the one thing he mentioned about uh, his experience was just how easy it was to get around everywhere just how beautifully set up the whole thing was logistically now yeah. it's a small country so everything is closer uh, but uh, you didn't you didn't have to pay a dime apparently for anywhere you went. The train was free to take you to all the stadiums in and around uh, the country. But uh, he said it was a great experience. The Canada House looked wild. I would like to be a part of that. Um, That's I, you know it's pretty uh, interesting that like uh, like uh, transit was free and so on. I mean, I mean, uh, how many uh, opportunities could uh, that kind of country capitalize on tourism? To the degree that a World Cup brought, you know what you know what I mean. And yeah, well, they have everything, everything was new. Sorry, Tony. I don't know if you got the same uh, the same feedback from your friend who went, but everything was brand new. The yeah, subway was sure. brand new. Half the stadiums were brand new. The hotels, the restaurants, the roads, everything was brand spanking clean. Um, and it was uh, even that you know it kind of threw us Canadians or us people from Toronto anyway it threw, threw them off to see such a clean, efficient, <laughs> reliable. Subway system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, and uh, of course, uh, Canada will be hosting uh, the next, uh, the upcoming World Cup, along with the United States and Mexico in three years' time. So, have, uh, you, guys, uh, have you guys put your names into for the right to buy oh, tickets yet? And I see you nodding yes. I did the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be tough in Toronto, but. <clears throat> I don't know, yes. even a trip to Indiana or wherever, it might be worth the road trip to go see some pretty uh, some pretty cool games. I'm excited for it. Well, actually, yeah, I'm, uh, my, I'm, sorry, on the Canada red, I'm on the Canada soccer red thing. Like, I, you yeah. got to pay a membership fee and you get first crack at it. So, yeah, I'm sticking around on that until 2026 for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure Ben is uh, in that uh, group amongst a couple of others as well. Yeah, so. I mean, with I've got the Voyagers connection, so I imagine they'll be allocating us a few. And I'm things. sure I'm sure TFC season holders will get. I them. imagine there'll be some type of deal for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, actually, my wife's uh, my wife's uncle went to uh, the Meadowlands in New Jersey. I can't remember the game that he watched during World Cup '94. And he was there for that, and apparently he was in Mexico for to watch the hand of God. Nice, yeah. So uh, he, uh, yeah, he's done a, he's done okay, he's done okay for himself uh, uh, professionally and as well as a as a soccer fan. But uh, so uh, finally, uh, putting a tying a bow on uh, the World Cup, uh, Lionel Messi 
Uh, you could say that he's done all right for himself professionally. And he, uh, with everything that he has accomplished, he is now the uh, captain of a World Cup uh, championship winning squad. So, Dano, uh, how important was it for a guy like Lionel Messi to win uh, that championship? I mean, there's so few uh, individuals who could be legends in the most popular game in the world. But with Pele and with um, uh, Maradona, Lionel Messi wasn't really in that group because of a World Cup uh, uh, is my uh, observation and now he's got one yeah i, I remember having this this debate when they won when argentina won the uh the Copa america that's right where i don't know ultimately i don't know that this um you know pushes him any further into the stratosphere um the way he played in this tournament is remarkable given his age and nobody was expecting him to play as, as well as he did uh he's still he's still a great player obviously but um yeah, I don't know. He's, he's 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 done too much. He's had too much success. He's, uh, he's he's had too many magical moments already, where you know he's kind of like the Dan Marino in that sense, where like he mm -hmm. he would have been remembered as, or like he always would have been in the same breath or debate of greatest of all time. Um, in the short term, this has really sort of put that stamp on him. Um, but over time, you know, we'll, we'll tell too. But I don't know that, that people are going to single out um, them winning the World Cup as the moment that, you know, defined him as the greatest of all time. Yeah, it, it, it's funny you say that because I uh, I don't know if I agree uh, personally because, uh, I mean, yeah, sure, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't win a World Cup, but he did win Euro. And there's an argument that uh, winning a European championship uh, maybe a little bit harder uh, because of the level of competition uh, between the two tournaments. And when Lionel Messi uh, carried that uh, that trophy uh, to the team, lifted it with that robe, I don't know what kind of significance that robe was, but I wish that he didn't really wear that. But, I mean, hey, who am I to say? It but, looks like he's a choice, Randy. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he couldn't uh, negotiate. Yeah, you might be right on that one, Tony. But uh, you know, uh, look between the four of us, I probably know soccer the least. And uh, the the truth of the matter is, is that I, I I think that you know, like uh, somebody like uh, Antoine Griezmann and Paul Pogba, it, you know, I don't know if it makes a difference to their career. But hey, Kylian Mbappe. He won a World Cup in 2018. He was a part of that team. He scored a goal in the final. Uh, and I think uh, that there is uh, a value uh, and uh, a difference maker uh, to winning a World Cup. Tony, Ben, what, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, sorry, go, Ben. Go ahead. Oh, so I was just going to say, at the very least, it's, I think it solidified the Messi-Ronaldo debate. You know, between between a winning, getting that World Cup, but b just everything circulating around this tournament with Ronaldo between his out at Man U and then this the going to Saudi Arabia rumors and you know being moved to the bench and his you know predecessor going off for a hat trick in in the knockout stages. You know, I think uh, just in terms of Messi, just kind of 
keeping to him most of his career, uh, not being as in the spotlight as, as Ronaldo was in terms of just outside of, of soccer. Uh, you know, I think Messi really put a stamp on that. Uh, I agree, agreed with that. And as a Man United fan, I was really happy to see Ronaldo just, just, yeah. stay, just fade the way he did. I mean, what a clown he was. That guy became Meghan Markle, like, you know, sitting down with Piers Morgan, like it was an Oprah Meghan Markle interview and just, woe is me and I'm being hard done by. And I, I agree. <laughs> with it's just pathetic. I mean, it just, what a moron. And, and fact of the matter is, uh, at the end of his Juventus reign, his coach felt that his team was better off without him. Eric Ten Hag felt his team was better off without him. And Santos eventually in Portugal felt his team was better off without him. And you know what? They were all right to a certain extent. They were all right. I mean, Man U is enjoying a great year now. Uh, they're turning it around and having him out of the picture, I think, will catapult them even better, even more. However, back to the World Cup, I, I agree with that. And again, the GOAT conversation, it's its in the eye of the beholder. I've always felt that. He didn't need the World Cup to, to put him in the Mount Rushmore. You know, my favorite player of all time will always be Maradona. I don't think anybody can touch him in terms of his impact on the game. It was short, but uh, but you mentioned Kylian Mbappe, and I think that's an interesting thing to keep your eye on over the next few years because he's still young. Uh, if he keeps his pace, he's going to shatter uh, Close's record for most goals in a World Cup. Mm. He's got a chance at winning some more because that French team is stacked. Um, now the gradual next step for him is to, to challenge himself uh, domestically, uh, going to England or Spain, um, getting out of the French League to further his his place in the game. But he's got a real shot. You mentioned his name. Uh, there's a kid. He's Watch out for him over the next few years. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I uh, would like to uh, change things up a little bit uh, from uh, European football to American football. And the uh, playoffs are uh, at the uh, conference championships in uh, the National Football League. And uh, me personally, I, you know, I've never really been a, a football fan, but uh, these days I've I've been getting a little bit more into it. And uh, you know, you see uh, different names uh, coming up, uh, uh, being uh, staples uh, within the league. You think of uh, somebody like a Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes having uh, some incredible success in a very young career, and uh, definitely uh, Josh Allen as well. And with Tony and Dan being Buffalo Bills fans, we'll definitely get to their season in a moment. But uh, Dan, if I remember correctly, as you and I have gone on to... Uh, being friends for well close to 20 years now, I, I believe in school you were a Peyton Manning and Indianapolis Colts fan. And uh, is that still the case? Do you still uh, have uh, love for the Blue Horseshoe there? No, no. I, just, <laughs> I, 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 I was never really a big NFL fan. At, uh, Peyton Manning came into the league at the right time for me, and I followed his career. Actually, he caught my eye <clears throat> when he was in college. Um so I followed him up to the Colts and I bought the jerseys and that sort of stuff. But now I just, uh, I don't even have uh, allegiance to any team. I, I root for Buffalo unconsciously just because it's, it's the closest geographically. And again, you know, 
I, I hope to, to make this reference in every segment, but being a Leaf fan, I am, I am a, I'm a glutton for punishment and being a Bills fan is um, the next best thing. So, uh, so yes, the short answer is good, good memory on, on being a Colts fan in college, but uh, no current affiliation. No current affiliation. Yeah. Well, uh, for those who are seeing our, on YouTube, I uh, am wearing a, a Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not a diehard by any stretch. Uh, it would have been great to see Buffalo, uh, you know, actually win uh, uh, the big game, but uh, hopefully next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, Dan, I mean, uh, have you uh, have you been paying much attention to the NFL and the playoffs? Like, it's been some pretty, uh, pretty uh, interesting football. Yeah, the, the, for, for the sports that aren't hockey, the hockey is probably the one sport in, in soccer that I follow year round uh, with with the most attention. And, you know, football, you know, I follow, especially around playoff time and baseball, probably about the same thing. Um, or maybe even a little bit more, but um, yeah. So I've, I've been watching lately, anyway. Uh, some really entertaining games. Some, uh, you know, it's always fun to see the Cowboys lose the way that they do. And um, to your point, yeah, you know, I'm sure, especially with with Demar Hamlin, everybody was a Buffalo Bills fan to some degree uh, in that game, but um, it just wasn't their year. And you know, KC and the Cincinnati Bengals should be a really good AFC final. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned the B uh, Buffalo Bills uh, there. And, uh, Tony, we'll start with you. Uh, obviously, the uh, Bills were a, uh, a, a big favorite uh, to uh, get over the hump and win the Super Bowl. Uh, how would you uh, summarize this season uh, after losing the divisional game to Cincinnati? Oh, a failure. Um anything less than a Super Bowl is a failure for the team. Now there's mitigating circumstances. We lost Vaughn Miller. I get it. Uh, but you have a home game with the right to get to a neutral site game for an AFC championship. And they came out flat and um, they've been uh, kind of like how Canada regressed, regressed from the first game against Belgium. Buffalo has been on a slide pretty much for the second half of the year. So I was not surprised at what Cincinnati did to them. But it's still disappointing. I mean, when you're when you're the odds-on favorite to win a Super Bowl and you come up short, especially in that fashion, uh, there has to be conversations um, within the organization to see what what they need to do, what the next step is. Uh, I, I think a defensive philosophy needs to change, so maybe that means the coordinator's got to go. And I think there really needs to be a concentration on the run game a hell of a lot more just to save Josh Allen a little bit. Uh, he was playing with a bum elbow, so that, you know, I, I know injuries aren't supposed to be excuses, but that didn't help. Um, I, You know, sometimes you just got to chalk it up to the other team. You can sit there and look at everything your team did wrong, and you think that's what it was. But the Cincinnati Bengals are on a heater right now. This is They've got 10 straight wins. Um, Joe Burrow is showing us that he's going to be, if he's not already, the best quarterback in football. Um, they've got a shitload of weapons. Uh, they're on their rookie contract still. So their window is very strong with all these parts. When they start paying these guys, it's going to, it's going to become a little more difficult, but right now, uh, they're a juggernaut. They're, they're, they're a heater. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Well, you know, uh, 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 sorry, Ben, please. No, go ahead, Randy. Go ahead. 
No, I mean, I, 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 you mentioned of uh, a couple of big uh, injuries there with Von Miller, of course, and Josh Allen and his elbow. And, uh, oh, yeah, DeMar Hamlin. I mean, uh, obviously, the sporting world was just uh, really taken aback at what happened there. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned that uh, injuries aren't an excuse, but, uh, I mean, some things are uh, just too tough to bear. Uh you know, uh, Tony, you mentioned of changes. Uh, ben, uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, is it possible that fans might uh, see what Buffalo had to go through and say, you know what, this year was a tough one. Uh, let's get them next year. I don't. I. I don't think so personally. I mean, obviously, every you know, it's a lot of adversity for the deals. Or sorry, for the Bills to deal with. Um, you know but every team goes through their type of adversity through the course of a season. I mean, you could argue maybe this was a little more extreme circumstance, but uh, every team goes through their adversity and Hey, the Bengals played in that game as well, where DeMar Hamlin went down, right? It's not their teammate, but they were in that game. They were on the field with them. Um, You know, there's that, but I think Tony nails it on the head of everything he said there. Like the Bengals completely outplayed them. And I think it, comes down to the bills being completely outcoached you know von miller even if he is healthy i don't think that's making a huge difference on sunday personally he they ran right through the bills this is the second year in a row in the playoffs where leslie frazier looks like a bit of a dummy uh you know in the uh in the divisional round yeah so who's going to uh make it uh, to uh, the super bowl we will see on uh, sunday of course the uh, Bengals are uh facing uh kc and uh the eagles are in san francisco so uh, uh finally uh of course a couple of surefire hall of famers uh dare i say legends uh maybe changing teams uh my uh fellow uh, birthday uh, uh I don't know what you want to call it. Amigo, August 3rd, represent Tom Brady. Uh, he uh, did win a Super Bowl with the uh, Buccaneers uh, and many, many more before that with the uh, Patriots. Uh, there's rumors of him going to Vegas. Uh, there's rumors of him going to different teams. Uh, I was watching uh, one show uh, just before we uh, got on this uh, podcast today and the New York Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett as a coordinator. And some may think that that may be a ploy to bring Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Uh, is uh, Do you think uh, that uh, these guys have another season in them? And, uh, and uh, I'll open mic, uh, whoever wants to chime in here. And do you think that uh, Brady or Rodgers or both are going to suit up for different teams? Uh, personally, I mean, Rogers, I think it's more likely, I mean, Brady, I mean, I'm, I imagine he probably will come back next season. Personally, I think he should just, you know, call it a career. He's done spectacular things, but between the Bucks really being not good this year and, you know, his, his off field, um, things going on with his family and, and his marriage, uh, I, I think he should just, he should call it right. You know, he basically tossed his marriage away to keep playing football just to, you know, be end up six. I mean, respectfully, and... Ben, he did. Okay. Uh, if he's no, uh, dating no. or whatever her name is, don't get me wrong. No, of course, of course. But, uh, 
yeah, I, I, from a pure foot, football perspective, I mean, you could tell he's he's really come down from what he once was. And, I mean, that's going to happen when you're, what, 45 years old, 44 yeah. years old? 44, 45. Um, yeah, I mean, the Bucks just didn't look good this year. He didn't look good this year. He's got all the weapons in the world there in Tampa, and they really couldn't get anything going this year. I, I think it's time for Brady to call it. Um. Rogers, I, I could see happening. You've had that drama over the last few off seasons with him, and they trade away Devonte Adams over last off season, and you know basically give him a bunch of rookies to hopefully go to the playoffs with this year. He certainly digressed performance wise. I mean, you could attribute that to maybe the players he's got around him, but just in terms of the stink he's kind of made about being in Green Bay, Green Bay and not giving him weapons, yada, yada, I think it's more realistic that Rodgers ends up somewhere. Be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see. So, uh, guys, why don't we make our way over to the uh, hard court now? And uh, the NBA trade deadline is on February 9th. And some interesting news out of Toronto uh, well, rumors, uh, let's call them first, uh, because uh, the Raptors are, uh, you know, several games under 500. Uh, they are probably, uh, well, they're in, uh, they have to, they're really in tough in order to make the play in tournament. And uh, a lot of wins are swirling, uh, whether uh, 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 cogs like Fred Van Vliet are going to stick around. Uh, uh, Daniel, uh, I mean, what are what are your thoughts with regards to the Raptors? I mean, are they uh, desperate to get back into uh, the uh, making a championship run again? That being said, should they trade somebody like a Fred VanVleet? Uh, probably. You know, it's it's I I, I don't know what, what the stats are today, but they're not that far out from the from the play-in tournament. Maybe a game and a half, two games behind the last team. So. You know, the playoffs are still a reality. Um, but I don't know. I don't You guys tell me, is, is, is there any belief left in this team, in this group, right? Or is the, does it feel like it's sort of patchwork until they can build around Barnes, right? It I mean, uh, like- me personally, Dano, I, I think that they have a great core four in Van Vliet, uh, Barnes, Siakam, and Ananobi. Uh, now, Ananobi wants to leave. Uh, Siakam is, is um, can be great. Hasn't been, you know, the same Siakam we saw when he was um, when he won the championship. There's been flashes of him coming back, but his consistency is when you know Fred's health is another. Um, you know, so maybe now is the time again. If you like to look at at, uh, at team windows. Um, you know, and, and sort of project out a couple of years, have a look at what's happening around you. You know, Boston is as dominant as they come in the East. So, you know, do you really have a legitimate path towards a championship in the next three to five years, even with that core four? I, I mean, so. well, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know uh, about Ananobi and him wanting to leave. I mean, that's something that's kind of new to me though. Yeah. I just heard reports about that yesterday or even this morning that um, the, the the winds of change are starting to circle around the name uh, OG Ananobi that uh, his time in Toronto may be done. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. You know, uh, look, uh, obviously there's uh, a massive affection, especially with uh, Barnes and uh, uh, Siakam, Van Vliet. They were on the uh, the championship team. Same with Chris Boucher, Canadian. 
and uh, you know, you do have to look at the long-term effect. And I mean, Fred Van Vliet uh, is not going to get any taller. And at six feet tall, uh, you know, how is uh, someone of uh, Van Vliet's stature going to last, uh, you know, four or five years down the road? Uh, is it, I mean, he was an all-star last year. Uh, he's had some really great games this season. Um, but to me, it makes zero sense to trade him for, say, a, a rental like Chris Paul. I mean, I, I think that there is still a lot of um, romance and hype to the team and uh, forgiveness uh, if because of that championship in 2019. And I don't think, you know, uh, tanking for uh, Victor Webinyama. I mean, yeah, he apparently he's supposed to be uh, that much better than LeBron. But, uh, you know, it was the same thing for tanking for Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you know, let's say that you do, uh, Toronto did tank for Wiggins. Let's say they did get w Wiggins. How much better would have uh, would Toronto have been uh, if uh, Wiggins was on the team? You would think that they would be a disaster. And that championship uh, wouldn't have even been close to happening. So, I, I, I mean, I, I do think that trades, uh, like something does have to happen. But I think that getting a center will solve a lot of the problems. Uh, ben, I mean, uh, where do you stand in terms of what the Raptors should be doing? Uh, you know, would trading somebody like a Van Vliet for a rental, even an Ananobi, would that be an overreaction in your mind? Uh, for a rental, yes. For a rental, yes. Uh I mean, on paper, the, that core four looks good, but it, we're not winning a championship with that core four in the next three to five years, if we're being realistic, right? You know, since Kawhi's left, obviously Pascal's performance in that championship run was tremendous, but since he's left and Pascal's been the guy, you know, it hasn't been, you know, he's been a star, but I don't know if I'd call him a superstar. And, you know, Van Vliet can't really patched together consistent runs and you know we saw scotty have a tremendous year last year winning rookie of the year but hasn't really put together this year nearly as much and you know it sounds like ananobi's uh inevitable his departure so i think it's time for them to just start uh you know rounding up as may first as he can start to see where you can go from there i i just don't think that we've seen pascal siakam's ceiling yet uh, I mean, a lot of people uh, are reminded of uh, how he did in Tampa. And I think that uh, that Tampa season was just an anomaly that he was completely out of his element. He, uh, you know, they were isolated. Well, maybe they had uh, looser restrictions in Tampa and Florida, but it wasn't home. Uh, you know, they were playing in empty arenas and the fans that were there were cheering for the other team. And this year he's a, he's a surefire all-star. Uh, so uh, yeah. I, you have uh, uh, Van, uh, sorry, Siakam. Uh, Barnes seems to be picking it up. Let's say you do sign Van Vliet, and you know if you are able to keep uh, one of the two between uh, Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, uh, you know I think uh, that they'd be in a good position. Uh, I was, go ahead. Sorry, just looking at it, though, like in three, what's the realistic timeline for us winning a championship again with this team, though? Because Pascal's 28 years old now. He's not getting any younger. I, I think he's pretty well. We've seen 
what we're going to get out of Pascal going forward. You know, you don't see too many teams go and blow it up to build around a guy that's currently 28 years old. It's a 28 year old that's usually going around the door and it's a promising young rookie that you're building around. So I don't know. It's, it's tough to, you know, Pascal, don't get me wrong. Like he's, he's been a good, uh, you could say great player. He's a star. We've seen him make the all-star games, but you know, there's, there's a lot of bad teams with good players on them that make the all-star game as well. I, I put him in that star class. I'm not putting him in that superstar class. And, you know, at 28 years old, I, I don't think it, I don't think you can really build around him too much for a, for a current or, you know, a championship run in the next three seasons. And, you know, uh, not to get off course here, but in yeah, terms of course, of all time, no, in, no, no. But I'm saying like in terms of all time, uh, best Toronto Raptors. I put Siakam over Chris Bosh. You know, uh, I mean, I personally, uh, uh, I think that uh, the greatest Raptor, truthfully, I think is Vince Carter. Uh, then you think of uh, Kyle Lowry, of course, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I, I think uh, Siakam winning a championship now being, uh, I'm assuming, will be an all-star for the second time this year. Uh, you know, he's won playoff uh, uh, series and, of course, the championship. Uh, I still don't think that he's peaked. And, uh, you know, to your point, of course, yeah, no, you definitely uh, make, uh, you definitely are correct in the sense of, yeah, building around, uh, you know, a 28-year-old may not be as uh, uh, consistent as, say, uh, building around a, a younger piece. But uh, what happens if they do have a center? And, uh, you know, uh, so, I, I mean, I, I don't think, I think it's way too premature to uh, to, uh, to, to 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 throw the keys on the table and to rebuild. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see the point in trading for a rental either, though, is the thing. Sure. You know, we're, we're five games below 500. We're sitting outside the play-in. You know, are you really gonna go and and go all in on, in hopes of just making it to the first round? I I don't see the sustainability in that. Well, I, and uh, you know, if uh, the Raptors do make a uh, run within the next three to five years, you have to wonder uh, where Nick Nurse uh, is uh, uh, during uh, the next uh, few seasons. And I don't know if I'm alone on this or if I'm uh, in the minority here, but to me, Nick Nurse just does not exude. Uh, he, he he just doesn't get my approval. And uh, what I mean by that is just, uh, uh, you know, he's always uh, chirping at the ref. I don't think that he's uh, doing himself any favors by uh, barking at him all the time. I mean, uh, he, for the most part, seems to be pretty cordial and so on with the media. And obviously, he's a great ambassador to basketball in Canada. He is the uh, coach of the men's national team. But, uh, Tony, you know, if you ask me, I think Dwayne Casey still would have led the Toronto Raptors to the championship in 2019. Where do you think, uh, what does Nick Nurse mean to you? I mean, are you convinced that he is the uh the head coach uh for the Toronto Raptors uh, yeah I think so I mean I don't think he just became a horrible coach overnight I agree with you on the chirping thing I it's, it's a little annoying to watch but uh I, I I think Ben makes a great point like what is this team um are we 
are they just going through a revolving door with, with the squad there is now? I mean, Nick Nurse can't go out there and shoot threes consistently for the team, right? So he's got a lot of inconsistency coming from a lot of players. And I think management has to ask themselves the question, okay, how much do we like Scotty Barnes? Is it Because if we're going to build this team around somebody, it can't be around uh, the 28-year-old guy. We have this guy in Scotty Barnes we like. I'm sure he's interested in becoming the alpha. Um, so you have potential conflicts going moving forward. I don't think Nick Nurse is the problem. I think he's the least of the problems for this Raptor team, to be honest with you. Um, and in terms of what have Dwayne Casey won the championship for, maybe. Who knows? That's a question we can't answer. We have no idea. Clearly, at the time, there was something they didn't like about him because he was the reigning coach of the year and they told him to fuck off. So (laughs) (laughs) obviously there was an issue with them and the coaching change worked, right? The coaching change worked. So you can't pin this on the coach. I I think the roster is just not um, good enough. Yeah, and uh, obviously the uh, the current road trip that the uh, Raptors are on, a seven-game road trip, their longest uh, for the franchise in 15 years. I mean, if they uh, do have a good showing from uh, that road trip, uh, maybe that there is uh, uh, a reason to uh, have this uh, team uh, and its core uh, stick around. So, uh, guys, over to the NHL. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, – uh, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs are having a great season. Ben, I think I'm seeing a Buffalo Sabres jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, I think you did mention once upon a time that uh, you, uh, like when you joined us before, that you're uh, not only a Bills fan, but a Sabres fan as well. So, uh, boy, that I, I mean, you've got through some <laughs> really difficult times, but uh, they do have some good pieces over uh, for the Sabres these days. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, specifically, guys, uh, you know, uh, quite the uh, story out of Philadelphia. The Flyers uh, a couple weeks ago uh, uh, organized a Pride Night celebration where the team uh, uh, did their warm-ups in jerseys uh, with the uh, Pride Rainbow uh, flag as their uh, as a part of that jersey, and uh, defenseman Ivan Provorov uh, uh, refused to take part in those uh, celebrations, uh, citing religious reasons. Uh, you know, we'll get to uh, my uh, point, uh, my uh, my uh, you know position in this in a moment. But Dan, I'd love to start with yourself and uh, Provorov. He uh, did uh, play in uh, in the game. Uh, there was no. Uh, uh, discipline on uh, 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 taken by the team, and uh, John Tortorella uh, did uh, support, for lack of a better term, uh, Provorov's position uh, with regards to this topic. Uh, should Ivan Provorov have been suspended, and should he explained himself more than he actually did after that uh, particular game? Uh, the short answer to both is no, unless there's something in the CBA or in his player contract that says that he needs to contractually um, participate in all, you know, um, campaigns, initiatives that the NHL puts on. This wasn't a Flyers thing. This is an NHL thing. Then if you broke that, then yeah, then there's got to be some sort of um, 
punishment or some sort of suspension. But otherwise, you know, th th this is a debate that's been raging in sports for years. You know, this is politics or religion for that matter. Um, you know, just a quick aside, I, I'm not convinced that this is a religious thing. I think it's just more of a personal belief thing, um, which again is fine. You know, you're allowed to believe what you want to believe, which is the whole point of this thing, right? It's, it's um, you know, the NHL has done a remarkable job to um, be an inclusive place. And this goes back to the great work that Brian Burke and his son uh, did with the, everybody has the right to play initiative, right? So they, they, they spent years and a lot of money and a lot of effort just, just to make people feel welcome, to make, uh, to make you know, gay and lesbian uh, kids and adults feel like the NHL is a place where they can go and enjoy sports as well. You know, whatever the hell that means, you know, to, to take their mind off of whatever. It's not solving any world issues. Um, so the NHL, you know, made the small efforts seemingly to, you know, wear pregame uh, jerseys to support a cause. Uh, one player decided that he couldn't, and he's well within his right to do that. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with it, um, with what he did. So, no, he doesn't deserve to be suspended. Um, my beef is more with with Tortorella, and, and I know that he sort of had a roller coaster. Um, you know, he's, he's he's evolved a lot over the, over the past couple of years. But you know, in 2016, he was threatening to to bench any player on his team um, that took a knee uh, during mm. the anthem when that was all the reason Colin Kaepernick started that um, you know mode of protest. Um, and then four years later, he said, you know, he's, he's since learned a lot about the movement and why people are doing it and what it means. And he no longer will punish any players for doing that. So, you know, now when, when Provorov makes his decision to do what he did, um, you know, Tortorello takes the stance of, you know, his, his new belief system or his, or his, or his evolved uh, mindset to say that this player is well within his right to exercise his own personal beliefs. And as a team and as a coach, you know, I support that, which, you know, to be fair, is, is probably the best thing that a coach could say, because what's he supposed to say that this guy is, is an asshole, he's a homophobe, and I don't want him on my team. That's probably the worst thing that he can say, whether or not he believed it or not. But, but that's, you know, John Tortorello's personal beliefs are none of my business either. Um, so, you know, no, I, I think people have made too much of this, to be honest, um, you know, for... Uh, you know, if the NHL, just to use them as the uh, as an example, because we're talking about them, want to portray themselves as a corporate entity that's entity that's open and uh, welcoming to everybody, unfortunately, that includes bigots, or that includes racists, or that includes people that just um, you know can't face their families. You know, if they were to wear a rainbow jersey for thirty minutes, minutes, and as unfortunate as that is. In my personal beliefs, that you know, in in, in what the action meant to you know to, to take that heart of a line to say that um, you know I can't participate um, is a bit ridiculous. Truthfully, whether or not your religion you know allows it or not, um, and I think he just truthfully just should have did it, and nobody would be talking about Ivan Provorov. And nobody would be even talking about uh, the NHL's um, desire or initiative to uh, be inclusive to the LGBT 
2s plus group. So, um, you know, sometimes these things have a way of backfiring and it looks like it did for, for Provrop where in the end he brought more attention to the cause that he was trying to not support in a sense. Um, but if, if, if hockey is for everybody, uh, it's for everybody and it's for everybody whether or not you like their opinion or not. So um, it's fine. Um, and uh, everybody will, will forget this as well. So, um, you know, we still have guys like Tony D'Angelo in the league. And, you know, I, I can't think of another NHLer off the top of my head, but guys like Michael Vick always get second chances. So, like, athletes are forgiven for... Ray um, Lewis or Roberto Osuna. He uh, right? yeah. goes to yeah. Houston and wins a World Series. Right. And, and and the list is endless, right? So so players and athletes seem to get a pass when it comes to this sort of thing. There's always a new place for them to go. There's always a new uh, community for them <laughs> to be embraced by... Um, and, and, and Tony, you know, and I get it. You're, you're right. You know, it's not, it's not that they need to be forgiven either. I, you know, I take that back. But I, the long and short of what I'm trying to say is I kind of went along already that, you know, Provorov did what he believed and in a sense, good on him. Um, but in a sense, you know, I, I think, I think he, um, he brought more light to a subject that he was trying to not to support by, doing what he did by taking the very public stance that he did mm. tony's do you have any uh thoughts or uh i mean I, I i mean i guess uh what i was wondering then uh it, it, it like does this uh uh make uh, teams and organizations um think twice about having these kinds of uh, ceremonies when it comes to inclusion. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, uh, they are trying to do something like bringing, making uh, people with uh, different uh, uh, lifestyles, different uh, uh, cultural backgrounds. Uh, but I mean, there are going to be some people out there that uh, may not agree with it. And uh is there a possibility of uh, you know organizations uh, not wanting to take part in initiatives like that? You're asking uh, me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I'll, sorry. I'll I'll keep it short, and I, I mean I don't have too too much to add in terms of what Dan said, but I don't think no, not one bit. I I don't think it makes them think twice at all. Mm. I mean, um, you know, we're in a you know a new type of society now where there's a lot more kind of changes and that have happened even since I've been a kid, you know, uh, just in terms of how far the LGBTQ plus movement's gone. Um, in terms of, you know, teams taking, you know, changing their stance on things or not doing these types of night. No, not at all. Um, they have the biggest platforms of in the world, you know, some of them and, um, it sounds bad but you know at the same time they're a business and they know there's there's money to be made by including all those people so they'll do what they need to do to to include them right and on top of that they have a big platform um you know they're going to use it to try and promote good well and uh obviously uh uh between uh tony and myself and dan uh, we've had a, a lot of great discussions about uh, different points of view and, uh, you know, uh, once this happened, I immediately saw this as an opportunity uh, in the sense that 
you know, I'm a I'm a left leaning kind of guy. I uh, you know do hope uh, the very best for uh, minority groups and all the rights in the world and so on. But I am definitely for people being able to speak their mind if they are not uh, preventing certain things, certain things. Now, I don't think Provorov should have been suspended. Uh, I think that uh, there is a lot more progress when you hear differing points of view and maybe have a discussion. Maybe you're not going to solve the problem, but you could appreciate what uh, that person may be feeling. And I think, uh, you know, covering someone's opinion by blanketing everybody wearing a pride jersey or a patch in Major League Baseball or even taking a knee uh, when the NBA was in the bubble uh, during the national anthem. And you had people like Jonathan Isaac and Myers Leonard stand uh, during that time. I think it does, uh, and in a good sense, allow people to appreciate a different point of view. Now, uh, Tony, I mean, could this be the start of something where, you know, we are not in a world of cancel culture? Because, I mean, um, what my uh, position is, is that I don't believe in cancel culture all the time. I would like to think that I don't uh, believe in it at all. But with stances like Provorov, is there a possibility that in the long run, society may be uh, such where we are able to hear in a point of view and not snap of a finger, dismiss that person right away? Well, I, I pray to God we get back to that point. And when I say pray to God, Dan, Please don't diminish my love of my religion. Uh, <laughs> this is part of the problem. You guys, you know, you basically put Ivan Provorov in the same category as a Mike Vick or a Ray Lewis. Mike Vick was involved in the dogfighting ring. Ray Lewis was, you know, possibly you know, involved in a murder, the killing of a human being. Ivan Provorov did nothing. He, that's, that's what he did. He literally did nothing. And... My problem, and you know, I hope it does happen one day, Randy. I hope you do. And obviously there's limits. But when you're saying nothing and you're still getting grilled from it, that's the problem. So I think it all starts with the media and how they cover this. And the woke hockey media, which is, that's what it's become now. It's crazy. Um, just were quick to eviscerate this young man for no damn reason, right? You had Sid Sixero go on his usual fake outrage rants talking about the flyers need to be suspended, uh, find a million dollars. You're either in or you're out. What does that mean? You're either in or you're out. We, I, I just think we've gone from a place of, you know, live and let live exist in the world with different types of people to you must celebrate it. Our lives right now is an episode of Seinfeld, you know, the AIDS walk where you must wear the ribbon. You have to wear the ribbon. And that's my disconnect. That's my problem. You can respect someone's choices. They're whatever they want to do in their lives. Why do we have to celebrate it? And I think that's the point that someone like Provorov wants to make. So when he stands in front of the media and says, I respect whatever the hell you want to do. This is my religious belief. 
his religious beliefs get dismissed. For some reason, when a Christian has his re uh, religious beliefs, it gets diminished. Now, let me ask you guys this question. Would Pierre Lebrun, Jeff Merrick, Sid Sixera, all these you know heroes, EJ Hradic on the NHL Network, who said he should get on an airplane and fly back to Russia and fight against the Ukraine? I'm, you know, I'm young enough. I'm, I'm old enough. I'm old enough to remember that that's, you know, xenophobia, right? Nothing's happening to him for saying that. So let me ask. Sorry, you sorry, sorry. What? Who, who said? Who said he should go back to Russia? EJ Craddock, he's a uh, he's a okay. I heard of the name. He's, he's on the he's on the NHL network. That, that those were his comments. So okay, uh, what uh, now? I do uh, agree with uh, the position of uh, Ray Lewis and Michael Vick versus Ivan Provorov. Okay, maybe I'm with you there. I don't agree with Ivan Provorov saying that I love all cultures and I love all people, and uh, not sharing and not explaining himself basically saying i don't want to do it and you can't make me and that's the end of the story but, that but, part i have a problem with what more is he to say why is it our business what like okay go go google the russian orthodox religion and figure i'm out okay i don't google anything other than what somebody did the night before in terms of a sporting event well there you go if you if, so you're being the intolerant person though you don't want to figure out what his religion is telling him what how he's supposed okay. to Sure, sure, because in the gut. So that's your problem. That's not his problem. He doesn't have to sit there and discuss his religion from start to finish and how his upbringing was and how he thinks, you know, and it doesn't mean he's calling for all gay people to die. So let me get back. Or, okay, or, you know, that uh, not okay. All people, gay people to die. LGBT community all together because I don't want to wear a jersey. He's not saying that at all. Now, let me ask you guys this question. This is where I find the media just extremely hypocritical. Do you think there's any chance in hell they would give Nazem Kadri the same shit they gave Ivan Provorov? Do you think they would dismiss his belief in his Muslim religion if he decided to do the same thing? Answer me that question. Honestly. Given... If, given okay. Where we go, well, I mean, okay, you know what? Uh, that is something that it's really hard to comment on because it hasn't happened. What I'm saying is, is that, and I mean, it, it goes be like, I don't care if it's Russian or Orthodox, Christianity, Latvian Orthodox, I don't really care. What my thing is, is that I always find it that, and especially when it comes to, well, it, it doesn't matter what religion, I'm always amazed at how certain things are due to religious reasons. Meanwhile, uh, other uh, courses of action, other uh, activities, uh, you know, uh, as a non-practicing Catholic, I know that I'm not supposed to eat meat on Friday. I'm not supposed to have sex until I'm married. Uh, good luck with that. And uh, that, uh, you know, in terms of homosexuality, that is not supposed to be acknowledged or celebrated and so on. Now, everybody is able to, uh, everybody is able to call out when it comes to uh, uh, homosexuality, for an example, but when it comes to all uh, the the entire uh, faith and religion, they're not practice. Nobody is practicing it all uh, to the T. Like I, I mean, I mean, and that's my personal opinion. So uh, you know uh, that. 
the thing that really I think was a missed opportunity was him not explaining himself because uh and and, and okay like like I, I mean okay he, he said that he uh he loves all cultures and all all religion like all people then if that's the case why not wear the jersey if he if he's right. if he's so uh if he's so uh uh accepting of uh the people that means that he is able to have gay friends and he's able to go to uh, gay weddings and that he's able to do uh, like I mean you either are or you aren't and it's 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 that's, that's the thing true, that though. I think is the missed opportunity that's not, true. that's not true you either are or you aren't that's not true it is possible I don't need to wear a shirt I you know I have the benefit of working with a lot of gay people between two jobs and so I always take the opportunity when things like this arise to have conversations with them and I talk to them and I ask them did this bother you at all no, why would it bother? Okay, me? okay, I so am, what? I mean, I like, am, I am. So what? So I'm gonna take. So I'm gonna listen to the outrage of the straight white guy and not talk to the source. And you're just dismissing it. Is that what you're doing? No, like, no, no. That's not the source. You're getting an opinion from like your two or three people. That's not. That's not the no, like. What sort? Like, not, who are these random people? people? It's not. Who are these? Oh, the random gay. Two people, people like, are supposed to represent yeah. an entire community. So. So the one gay person who says my whole life is shattered because the Ivan Provorov, he's supposed no, to represent the no, whole community. No, 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 You know, don't don't That's cut a... off what I'm saying and listen to what I'm saying. There are people who don't buy into this bullshit that, you know, everybody has to affirm you and celebrate you, you know, outright. That doesn't mean you don't respect them if you don't do it. Like I, I respect the way you want to live, live and let live. But there's a fine line between being coerced and forced to putting on a jersey or whatever for what there's no reason for it there's absolutely unless you are pounding sand and saying i want this community eliminated and off the face of the earth you're free you don't have to explain yourself i don't have to explain my religion to you why do i have to explain my religion to you it is my religious belief i'm not hiding behind it this is where i stand on this i'm sorry i'm not going to participate in it. it's that simple and it should go away just like that. But the problem is we have outrage in the media that foments this thing. And I would like Ben and Dan to answer the question. Do you think the same treatment would be head, would be go towards Nazim Qadri if he did the same thing and hid behind hid behind his Muslim religion? Answer the question, please. What does it matter? I want to I want to ask you a question. When did we ever live in a society where it was live and let live? Like you guys keep wanting to go back to this time when things were wonderful. What time are you talking about? What time are you talking about when it wasn't wonderful? I don't know how you grew up, Dan, but I grew up in a very, very tolerant situation. I'm a very tolerant guy. I don't have to celebrate. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Tony, just pause. And I grew up with a lot of hang on a second. Just pause. Hang on a second. I grew up with a lot of tolerant people. I grew up with different cultures, different communities. It doesn't matter how you grew up, Tony. How you grew up is irrelevant because you are not a representation of what's happening globally. If you're talking about, you know, you want to go back to when was Jackie Robinson allowed to play baseball? Less than a hundred years ago. Okay, so now so let's go back to those times that. when we live and let live, and we kept black people in cages, or or gay people were murdered in the street just for being gay. When do you want you're to go going, back to you're, you're when, when it was back. live and let live? No, no, hang on a second. You're so I was a not putting out the jersey. What? You're going way back, way way back. To you when said I want to go back to when it was live and let live. No, I'm talking about us growing up. In our twenties, I'm not matter, talking. Though? We grew up I'm in a very sheltered, bubbled situation, and in, in white and whitewashed suburbia. 
How is that a representation of what's happening in the planet? Who, who grew up in whitewashed suburbia? Maybe where you did you grow up? In, I grew in, up in Scarborough. Up? I grew up in Scarborough. So what I are you saying? Scarborough. I, what do you mean, what am I saying? You just question what my upbringing was. You said I'm in some whitewashed suburbia. Okay, and were you're you in the ghetto? Wrong. And you're wrong. I'm sorry? And you're okay. wrong. You're fucking okay. wrong. Okay. See, that's so, the thing. Okay. 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 I can okay. only I can only talk to you about my experiences, right? And so when I say I have the benefit of working with all these, you know, all these gay people, and we have conversations about this, you can't just brush it off and say, "Oh, it's irrelevant what they think." No, it's very relevant what they think, not what the gay straight white guy thinks. It's very relevant what they think. Like, what are you I, talking about? I think, about? I think, Tony, where, uh, where <laughs> I, what the gay person thinks, like, no, are no, you no, 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 okay, because, uh, because whoever are you are speaking to, I mean, that, like, one or two people with whatever view, like, uh, to me, uh, it could be whatever topic, it doesn't matter, like, uh, to the opinion of one or two people does not move the needle for me at all, like, I mean. Uh, so, you know, that part, uh, I, I completely, uh, you know, goes over my head, but I'm, what I am, what I am, what I am saying is there was a conversation that was missed because Provorov made his position basically, uh, and, uh, what it seems like is that he, uh, said he loves all people and immediately wanted to, uh, dismiss the conversation and i am saying that an opportunity was missed to really truly gauge that different point of view but um i i think that uh what does uh i think that what is missing is the ability to hear each other and you know, uh, I don't think I don't think Provorov did that. You know? So hang on, you said the ability to hear each other is missing, but yet you just dismissed a conversation I had with about five or six gay people I work with. You just dismissed googling the Russian Orthodox religion. Correct. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because though, no, 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 I'm not because my uh, whoever you had spoken to. Is not a multi-millionaire hockey player who uh, is uh, uh, front-facing with the general public, what and is he is Sorry. he is somebody he is somebody that does have a reach which is millions of times bigger than the five people that you are friends with. Those so uh, yeah, people, I, I am completely going to dismiss that. But those five people live in that community. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care. It doesn't. I matter. don't care. Because uh, the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, no, I'm not. I am completely not. You are dismissing the opinions of the same people you're trying to, you're trying to defend, Randy. You, you're making no sense, bud. No, 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 Because it starts from, and uh, it starts from the top. And the top in this situation is Ivan Provorov. Whatever happens at the bottom doesn't matter. Because, you you know, you have uh, that position from Provorov. And then, like, I mean, like, all these conversations that happen, uh, you know, it may, it max, makes a huge difference. That's that's the point. Because, you know, you take a position like, say, Colin Kaepernick, and uh, then, uh, you know, it just evolves into something that is 
uh, way much bigger because look, I mean, there are black people who absolutely denounce Black Lives Matter, and of course, you know that. But yeah. I mean, like the so, the point is, is that uh, public facing people make that big a difference. If you're in that community and you are so distraught by what Ivan Provorov didn't do, your problem is you. Your problem is not Ivan Provorov. That's the way I look at it. You rise above everything. If that guy is setting back an entire, like if if I'm in the LGBT community and my spokesperson says, oh, this is devastating. I don't want that guy speaking on my behalf anymore is what I'm saying. Those things are easy to rise above. Somebody doing nothing like not putting a shirt on should not stop me from what my life is. And that is not that is not the point of my argument. What is the point of your argument? That the point of my argument is so, having the discussion to why. So, so because Ivan Provorov is a professional hockey player, he should just put the jersey on? No. Because oh, my God. I didn't even say that either, man. Like, Tony, my point is... Have the discussion. Explain why. Be uh, Don't uh, like say I love all people and say I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Have the discussion. Said, Progress. Maybe get to said, a point where you're not a can cancel culture anymore. I mean, you I'm can't. Orthodox. He said it. I, it's my Ruth, Russian Orthodox beliefs, right? That was his reason. And then he said he didn't uh, immediately. And he said it. he didn't want to talk about it anymore. That is the problem. That is the only problem. That's the only explanation he needs to give. He's not hiding. That's the, it's religious beliefs. What more do you need? Does Nazem Kadri need to get into like? It, let's say if it was him again. Let's go back to him because honestly, I think uh, there's also I mean, there's also there's an element of an attack on Christianity here too, right, uh, Randy? If if th does he have to stand there and explain the Quran to everybody why he believes he shouldn't put the jersey on? No, no. What's, he didn't make a position. He didn't make a stance like that. So there you go. He didn't make a stance. But I'm I'm speaking from another religion because there's a lot of religions who don't think it's it's okay. Natural. Perfect. Talk about Nazim Kadri. Right. Perfect. There's a lot of religions. Okay. I'm just asking the question. Well, there's what, only one Nazim Kadri. So uh, what, what's your point? What, would they bury him like they they tried to bury Ivan Pro? Who knows? See, and that's and that's another thing because like there's all these what if scenarios that doesn't exist, and that is the crux of your argument. Wake me up when it happens. That's my point. Like I mean, like we're always we're always going in circles because well, what if Nazem Kadri did this, and then what if Colin Kaepernick didn't stand, and then uh, like didn't kneel? I mean, like you know, like my, my, that my doesn't make a like who cares yes it does it's the fact that he's a white christian guy doing this that that's the problem that is what ah, the problem that's is. just victimization that's just yeah, victimization. no it's not you're not, not trust me you're not going after the muslim guy trust me trust okay me. well yeah. let's see let's see what happens when yeah, uh when nazim when nazim kadri refuses to, to uh to take the jersey then uh then i'll stand corrected and let me let me be clear. I put the jersey on because I don't. I'm. I don't look at it like that. But I respect the fact. I that didn't the guy, say you didn't. You know, I'm it's just saying. Huh? I never said I had gay friends, Dan. <laughs> I have people I work with who are gay, and I'm very close to, and we have conversations. We have That's real conversations. You want to diminish that too, like you do your own religion? Go ahead.
Yeah, well, uh, uh, it, uh, as uh, uh, Tony and I and uh, Dan had that conversation, Ben did have to tapped out, eh? get going. So, uh, you know, uh, we do thank Ben uh, for joining us. And, uh, you know, it's always, always great to discuss, uh, you know, these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, it's something that I personally really do enjoy. So, uh, you know, uh, that being said, let's go over to our rapid fire segment. And that is a big deal, no a big deal. So you two know the drill. And, uh, you know, Dano, uh, a lot of interesting things happening in Vancouver. Uh, they now have their third coach on the payroll, that being Rick Tockett. And uh, it, it, the team really didn't make a good first impression, uh, you know, after their uh, first game with Tockett in the helm. Uh, he basically said, uh, said that the team played like garbage, uh, you know, uh, but getting into Bruce Boudreaux, uh, it was something that I personally, as a sports fan, have never really seen. And uh, as he was uh, uh, still uh, a coach of the team, general manager Jim Rutherford said that, yeah, uh, other coaches are being interviewed. And, you know, uh, I, I just wonder, like, if I am Rick Tockett, if I'm a potential free agent, you know, I, I would wonder if uh, the Vancouver Canucks would be an organization that I would want to put uh, the next uh, chapter of my career to, you know, with how they handled Bruce Boudreaux. Is that a big deal or no big deal? It's a, it's, it's a big deal. I almost use the word very, but I don't want to make this bigger than it is. But it is a big deal. It, it, and you're right. It, it should make any level-headed, rational person question the situation that they're getting into. It's 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 a red flag uh, akin to, uh, you know, crazy behavior by uh, a person in a past relationship that you're now getting into. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's that sort of thing. So Rick Tockett, you know, I'm sure on some levels, like, listen, I, I can't pass up this opportunity to get back into the NHL. Um, but, you know, it does make me wonder, are they going to treat me like this in a few years? Am I just going to be hung out to drive? But having said that, and here we go down the list. But you're right. This this hasn't happened in recent memory anyway, when, when a coach was treated this way. Maybe Roger Nielsen uh, in the 80s. Um, but this was a weird one. And, and the fans in Vancouver because Bruce Boudreaux is such a likable guy outside of his resume or his ability to coach a hockey game, he comes across as a very likable person. Um, and the fans um, didn't like the way that he was treated, right? It's, 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 the, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not that much different from what we were just talking about where, you know, people just, they don't like seeing people being mistreated in a very public way, right? At the end of it. So, you know, Rick Tockett will, you know, he'll be given a hard time in his first couple of weeks. You know, they were chanting uh, Bruce, there it is, to sort of, uh, you know, to goad him a little bit in his first game or a second game. Um, and he'll have to go through that just because Bruce Boudreaux was such an emotional, um, or his saga was so emotional over the past little while. So he'll have to overcome that. The only way you overcome that in professional sports is by winning. So he'll have to change the culture. He'll have to bring this team together. He'll have to get uh, egos in check and get these guys playing as um, as they can. Now, some of that is uh, you know is not necessarily the coach's fault. Their their uh, their starting goalie is out, and um, you know some of the moves that the GM has made are you know 
questionable, like the, the, the contract for uh, Oliver Eckford Larson, uh, Connor Garland, and I think they went, they came over in the same trade. Tony, not yes or no, if, uh, if I'm making sense here, like, but and they gave up uh, what eventually was uh, Dylan Gunther, who just scored the, the game winning goal for Canada in the mm-hmm. gold medal game and scored his first goal in, uh, in Arizona, I think, when he got called up for his first or second game in the NHL. So, you know, the coaching is not the only fault happening in um, Vancouver, but the way that they treated him uh, is a big deal. And, you know, as, as much as the NHL should be um, disappointed that, uh, you know, um, a, a good initiative was was uh, was, was cast in a, in, a, in, a, in a light that they weren't anticipating because of um, um, one person's actions. The same with Bruce Boudreau. I don't know if this is a team effort, but as, as as president and whatever he is, Jim Rutherford should not have let that happen as publicly as it did, especially to a guy that's um, especially to a guy. No, not even I shouldn't say that. anybody. They shouldn't have done that to him publicly. It is a big deal, and I hope that he was sincere in what he said. That uh, you know, he apologized for it, and he, he vowed to never let that happen. And so, um, let's hope. Well, uh, you know, Tony, uh, Jim Rutherford, uh, you know, Tony, as a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, uh, must have uh, some sort of affection for a guy like Jim Rutherford. I mean, he won two Stanley Cups uh, as general manager of uh, the Penguins. Uh, are you surprised at uh, how this whole thing unfolded? Or do you think that he was at the mercy of uh, the owner, Aquilini? Yeah, I think... I. You stole my thunder there. You know, I'm shocked that Jim Rutherford, the idea of him being that disrespectful, I I don't buy it. Um, but I agree with Dan. I think the fact that he said he's going to shut up from now on and speak less, I think it's probably a good idea because he's a very honest guy. And that's one of the things you got you love about Rutherford. But I think you're right. I, I just, I, I don't think the owner was interested in having, you know, what, a third coach on the payroll um, and two of them to not work that he kind of made JR's life a little miserable there. That's the, how I'm reading it. So I think it's an ownership issue, but Jim Rutherford has the clout and the history in this game where he probably could have been able to step in and say, man, we have to end this now. We got to do this. You can't, you can't, you're, you're burying me. You're burying my general manager. You're, you're making the fans hate you more than they already do so it's just a bizarre situation and unfortunate because everybody loves bruce boudreau right the thing that i don't understand more than anything yeah i mean vancouver season is going in the toilet why in the world would you want to try and salvage a season try and gain a few more points when you have waiting in the wings uh the next uh potential superstar in connor bedard who lo and behold is a british columbia native to so me, maybe, that makes zero sense. I don't. It doesn't matter if you're Rutherford or Aquilini. Like Rutherford should know that, you know, keep Brudrow around, uh, stink out the season, get a better chance for a first round pick because Rick Tockett isn't going anywhere. I don't think there was a chance to keep him around when it got to that point. That's the problem. But yeah, they could have hired a you know a, an interim guy, one of the assistants, bring up the guy from the minors. You never know something like that just to hold the fort until the end but i mean that ship had sailed with boudreau so i don't think you were going to be able to keep him you know yeah here let, let's keep you and make sure you tank for us 
Yeah, and well, no, it uh, very well may be the case. And uh, at 68 years old, you have to wonder if uh, Bruce Boudreaux is going to get another opportunity to coach in the uh, in the NHL. So uh, not sure how uh, much uh, you two are into uh, golf. I personally love golf. Uh, you know, it's my favorite sport to play. Uh, Taylor Made Golf released a new ad campaign, and one or two notable people who are uh, not on it is uh, well, former former Masters champions Dustin Johnson and Sergio Garcia. Now, uh, it has been reported that Taylor Made is uh, distancing th- themselves from DJ after he signed with the Live Tour. Uh, as mentioned, uh, Garcia is off uh, their branding as well. Uh, Tony, with DJ or Sergio not being in TaylorMade's marketing campaigns, is that a big deal or no big deal? Well, I I don't follow golf at all, so I don't know what to tell you. But I guess it's a big deal because those are big names, and TaylorMade is, you know, the the gold standard for golf products. But um, I don't know. It it you tell me. Is it a big deal? I would think, I mean, Taylor, uh, you think of golf, you think of TaylorMade. I mean, it's yeah. like uh, basketball, the Nike, uh, maybe Under Armour these days. I mean, they're picking up steam. But it just seems that as at least for the uh, infant stages of the live tour, that maybe golfers are making a boatload of dough, but I have not heard a sniff of uh, uh, live tournaments uh, since it started. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's not. <clears throat> I I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to explain this to me with live. Where, where can we watch it? Is it just strictly the Gulf Channel? Who's they just, yeah, they just did uh, signed a contract with CW, the uh, like a, an American channel. Uh, I don't know what CW is. Uh, you know, I have a, a TV package. I, I don't even think Bell offers CW. So, uh, you know, and who knows, maybe, maybe Liv can uh, come out of the ashes, but these uh, golfers are making a boatload of money over there. Like, look at Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, Liv is a Saudi-backed uh, tour, and Cristiano Ronaldo goes to uh, uh, El Nasir, if I think I'm pronouncing Nassir, it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's getting $100 million for two seasons, and we're probably never going to hear from him uh, again. Unless if he does something uh, stupid like he did during World Cup. Which I'm okay with. Um, but I don't know, man. It's Well, know, I mean, it's... I guess I guess the question for, uh, for non-golfers like uh, yourself and Dan, uh, when you see golf marketing, like for those kinds of brands, does it, I'm assuming that it doesn't move the needle for you. No, no, but it, it can't be good for the PGA Tour, you'd think. Still, no, the fact that, you know, those faces still mean something for them. So that's all I can get out of it. Um, Now, I was under the understanding that they were working on something between the two, trying to work things out, trying to get guys over for more tournaments. Um, But I guess not. It seems like there's still a bitter feud going on there. Yeah, well, and it seems that... uh... Uh, the PGA has uh, opened up their wallets because uh, in an overall sense, uh, PGA purse money ha- was significantly lower 
until Live uh, came about. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Live would actually uh, uh, come to more relevance, uh, especially in in golf circles. You know, uh, finally, uh, Dano, I'd love to uh, get this question to you. And uh, Johnny Gaudreau made his uh, return to Calgary as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. As expected, he was booed uh, when he uh, when he touched the puck. He was ironically enough uh, awarded a penalty shot, and he was booed there. However, there was a video tribute, and for one quick moment, the fans at whatever that stadium is now called uh, cheered. Uh, uh, you know, welcoming back their one-time favorite, uh, uh, one-time favorite son. So. I do have to ask, when it comes to video tributes, uh, it does seem to happen uh, a lot. Do you think uh, video tributes for returning players coming back to their former home is a big deal to them or no big deal? Just very quickly, the, the, the CW is it's, uh, affectionately known for... Um... I don't know, the 90210 uh, reboot. Is it? That's, okay. That's so Raven. It's it's the channel with, with the dancing frog. They have a lot of those Cordy sitcoms. Oh, right. It's, yeah. it's, it's, the frog. A, it's a channel geared toward tweens, which is interesting that <laughs> uh, golf is going there now. Is uh, uh, is uh, Night Court on that channel? Uh, it might be. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't but tributes, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, Sports is entertainment, right? And this adds to the theater of it. Uh, you know, I love that they boot him all through the game, but then gave him a standing ovation after uh, his uh, his video tribute. Uh, but to the players, I'm not sure. Goudreau looked uh, as a person who's uh, sufficiently uncomfortable most of the day. Uh, he looked sufficiently uncomfortable while that uh, while that uh, tribute was on. He wouldn't look up at the screen, uh, barely acknowledge it until it stopped. Um, so I don't know. I would imagine that most players love them because it feeds their egos and they get to, they get to have their moment in the sun. Uh, that's uh, just for them uh, in a team sport, and that happens so so rarely. Um, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's so I would say yes, it's a big deal to the players. Um, but it's it's it's. I'll just go with big deal. It's a big deal to the players. It's good for the theater. It's good for the fans and attendance, especially if it's someone. Uh, who left on bad terms. You know, we've had that in Toronto with Vince Carter for uh, years and years until we ultimately forgave him and welcomed him back in. Um, so it's all good stuff. It's all good fun. It's, um, you know, and, and good on uh, good on the teams for being the mature adults in the room to say that, you know, we're not going to hate this person just because they left, you know, and we'll, uh, we'll thank them for their service sort of thing. And, you know, whatever. We'll give them three minutes and then move on. You know, Tony, I'm uh, I'm interested to uh, to hear for somebody who uh, uh, works at Scotiabank Arena and all the sporting events that you do uh, uh, witness and uh, uh, work at. I, I remember uh, in 2020, so a good couple of years after Bismack Biombo left the Toronto Raptors, Raptors win a championship, and in 2020, I think in February. Uh, the Raptors did a video tribute for him, and I thought it was really random. Like, uh, where do you stand? I like, are you done seeing a video tribute? Do you roll your eyes like crazy? No, I'm not done with it. I think I'm fine with it too. I think it's nice, but yeah, like something like if you haven't made that much of an impact, you know, 
maybe put a welcome back Bismack Biombo on the scoreboard or something like that is good enough. I mean, there's certain players that maybe don't deserve the video tribute, right? So I, I, I would assume Hito Turklu wouldn't have gotten one if he came back. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm okay with it. It's not a big deal. Um, they, they had a nice one for Norman Powell when he came back with the clip uh, a few weeks back. That was nice. So certain players deserve it. Uh, Johnny Gujar obviously deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would have loved to have been to uh, Scotiabank Arena to see uh, DeMar DeRozan's uh, video tribute. I can imagine if, uh, Tony, if you were there, then that, there. That, yeah, that must have been uh, one video. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, really special ones, yeah. 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 Guys, uh, listen, uh, always the pleasure is mine. Uh, you know, really, uh, really love uh, doing this. Uh, uh, every time and every opportunity we can get and uh, really still looking forward to the the day where the three of us could hook up in person. Uh, you know, it's been what, 15 plus years. And uh, I think we can talk about more culture. Yeah. Hey, I'm down. And, and uh, Tony, I'm going to be seeing you at uh, BMO uh, for, yeah, March 11th. Yeah. All right. First round's on me. Daniel, we got to get you to BMO field one of these days. We'll uh, Tony and I will try and uh, cool it. All right. <laughs> As long as okay. you just got to wear your rainbow hat. <laughs> With pride. <laughs> With pride. Okay. With, uh, so for uh, Ben McClellan, thank you so much, Ben, for joining us. Uh, for Dan Legieri and Tony Antonio, I'm Randy Coure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you next time. 